This is Entrepreneurs The Playbook, where each week I bring you some of the greatest athletes, celebrities, and entrepreneurs to talk about their personal and professional playbook to success. All right, David, man, I appreciate you jumping on here. It's just really an honor and pleasure. Well, thank you for having me. And I love the topic and the title uh, because to me, it's a superpower commitment uh, because it requires not only values, but daily practices that are utilized consistently as well as faith. And those are the three things hopefully that we can share to empower your community with today on how to be committed and what's the benefit of commitment as well. And that's what I, I love watching your material, David, and I, I follow you have so much amazing material out there um, and sharing with the world. But it's you always tie it back to your your faith. You tie everything back to your family, you know, your experiences and, of course, your your commitment that you're you're on the journey for. So I appreciate that because I your happiness and your glow through it all. It's just ah, it's inspiring. It's really exciting. So. Thank you. And uh, just looking forward to sharing that. Love it. So let's let's do it. I know a lot of people are familiar with your journey, but let's go back. Like I would love to just kind of the highlights along the road of where you where you came from, where you got started and kind of the journey of uh, of your entrepreneurial life here. Yeah, you know, I call it the tale of three worlds. We've heard the tale of two worlds and the first world I was born into. So I had no power over it. It was a world of scarcity of not enough. I had a single mom, six kids, five boys and a girl and we didn't have enough of anything except for love and education. Uh, and so therefore, I set my commitment to providing financial security in a scarce world of not enough where I was a victim financially. Things always happened to me. And I witnessed that mm-hmm. by watching my mom cry anytime there was a financial stress or crisis. And so at the early age of five, I decided to make a commitment to buy my mom a house in a car thinking that that would buy me the last piece of happiness that I was missing and love that wasn't there. And so my journey was to commit to making a lot of money. And uh, I graduated law school and made my first entrepreneurial decision not to be a real lawyer, uh, as my mom stated, uh, to take a bet on myself to have faith and gratitude of the future that I was gonna sell legal research online in 1992. Within nine months, I was a millionaire. I uh, did extremely well and the internet was not a fad. And as Justice Scalia stated to me, you could do research on the internet easier than you could do in books. Uh, And I will put it into context. The things I hear today about blockchain and crypto and some other things were the same things I heard about the internet in 1992. But by 1995, Mm -hmm. uh, we had exited to Thomson Reuters for 3.4 billion. I journeyed up to the Silicon Valley where I learned how to raise money. Uh, hundreds of millions of dollars to work in the middleware space as a director of every path. And then by the time 1999 came, I was living in a world still scarce, but I thought it was abundant, a world of just enough for me. And Mm -hmm. I hear so many gurus out there saying the world doesn't happen to you. It happens for you. Uh, Well, there's some dangers in that because when things are happening for you, it's still a trade and negotiation, a quid pro quo. It's still scarcity because there's just enough for you. And so we still have a tenant of scarcity that limits us. And I had to learn the hard way as not only I was CEO of Samsung's first phone division and married to my dream girl from the fourth grade and able to buy whatever I wanted, I then ventured into something extraordinary 
and became CEO of the most notable sports agency in the world. So not only did I have over $100 million, but I had access to what billionaires could afford to do. Sidelines at Super Bowl, backstage at the Oscars, Grammys, anywhere I wanted to go, anyone I wanted to be with, that excess uh, created uh, to me a vacuum of this world where I was buying things to be happy. I was buying things I didn't need to be happy. I was buying more things to be happy. I was buying things I didn't need to impress people I didn't like is the best way that I can put it. And I had a great lesson to learn. Now, I want to tie this back into the purpose of this show. I was committed. I was committed. I formulated my commitment into enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit, pursuit of my potential of making a lot of money. But I was missing the boat. I was missing the picture. And it took the most relative people in my life, my mom, my dad, my best friend, and my wife, over a period of six years to continually tell me I was lost, that my commitment was not on the trajectory of where I wanted to be or better. And so although I was committed, I was committed to the wrong things and the wrong ideas and the wrong people. And I had to learn uh, the hard way about re-engineering my commitment into a world not of not enough, not of just enough, but of more than enough. I love that. I love, and I think it's so true, right? Like, I think back, I was raised by a single mom as well, two boys, and like the, the, the complexities and the craziness, and, and you, you're built differently coming out of that, I feel like, right? And, and you're, you're almost, you're driven by the fear, you're driven by the pain and all these kind of negative intentions that really then create this commitment. You go from far left to far right. So talk to me about the journey of now, recreating that commitment because i think that's super powerful i hadn't had a chance to talk with about a lot of with a lot of people but um and even specifically the pain that you reach at the top every time you hit those barriers but are not fulfilled not happy you know yeah i took it to the next level i called it a glamorized stuck imagine having everything that you ever dreamed of but on top of it you have everything most people dream of and they tell you every day, people that don't know you, want to be you, how happy they would be if they were in your life. And yet you're empty. You're empty because yeah. you've achieved everything that you thought you needed to achieve without the values, practices, and execution model necessary to absolutely enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of your potential, to commit to the values, to the practices, and to... Uh, what it takes to be happy, the passion, purpose, and profitability. So for me, it was identifying, number one, when my wife, uh, who had the final straw, told me yeah. she was going to leave me. I had three daughters at the time, under 10 years old. I lived in my dream house. I had everything I ever wanted, including my dream job, running Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment, the most notable sports agency in the <laughs> world. My business partners were Warren Moon and Lee Steinberg. And it was an incredible life I was supposedly having, but I was in this glamorized stuck. And until my wife, when I came home after lying to her, going to the Grammy Awards with Little John, told me she wasn't happy. She told me she was leaving me. She told me I better take stock into what I was committed to. I better take stock into the values mm. that I used to have and that I want to have. 
she told me to take stock in who I was and what I wanted to be by the commitments that I had made that I wasn't fulfilling. And, you know, at that time, my initial reaction was, I hate you. And as I sat there the next morning thinking about how I was going to steal her joy and love, meaning I was going to take all my money and take as much as I could from her, I saw a jacket in my closet that I hadn't seen in six years. It was the reason I hadn't talked to my dad as well. The reason I hated my father is on my 30th birthday, my dad gave me a jacket with no pockets. And he told me to hang it in my closet, to remind me I was just like him, to remind me you couldn't take anything with you, to remind mm -hmm. me that I was a liar, a cheater, manipulator, an overseller, and a back-end seller just like him. And he was trying to tell me that money doesn't buy love that my commitments were in the wrong place and they were where his commitments were. And he didn't want me to end up where he was. Mm. At that time, I told him I hated him. Later on, I told him my mom I hated her when she brought the truth. And then my best friend, when he told me he didn't like who I was hanging out with and what I was doing, I told him I hate him. He didn't appreciate me. And here I was hating my wife. And as I looked at that jacket, I realized for the first time that my commitments had led me to one place that I hated myself. I was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, back-end seller, and I was gonna take stock in myself and the commitments that I made to my values, to the daily practices, to enjoy the consistent, persistent pursuit of my potential without limiting it with a bad self-image, without listening to what other people thought, what was missing, what I didn't have. I was going to commit to gratitude, to give me the right perspective again, commit to forgiveness, to allow me to have ease again in my life, to commit to control with accountability, and finally, to commit to my faith, to be inspired every day, to give gratitude to the future that I am healthy, happy, wealthy, and worthy. I got to figure out what I'm doing to interfere with it. And I feel like as, as young entrepreneurs, it's it's almost it's almost counterintuitive, right? Like our, our number one thing is entrepreneurship, build the business, build the ship, build, build it all, you know? And it's not that we can't do that, but for, uh, you know, for the sake of what I like to ask, you know, and, and it seems like you were forsaking a lot to get there. And then it's, you, you, you put those as the priority and in, in the businesses, uh, as the back end. Um, what if I, I, I love watching you interact with your family and uh, you've, how many kids do you have? Four, three girls Four? and one boy. Yeah. Okay. That's what, that's what I was thinking. And you're taking trips with them. You're, you're, you're involving them in the business. Um, I'm going to take a pivot here just because I respect you so much in this field. What are some of the fundamental things that you changed uh, pre this old commitment and this new commitment in your life with your wife and then also with the kids? Yeah, it's so interesting because it really starts with understanding time. And so I started to study time as a dependent variable of all matter, subjective and objective. And the first course correction that I had to take was to have non-negotiables based on time, giving a minimum amount of time every day to what was most important to me, taking the meaning or lessons of the past and putting them into trajectory of where I wanted to be or better. And so the first non-negotiable, surprisingly enough, was the catalyst because I wanted to spend as a first priority my family. And I 
worked with my wife, coordinated and collaborated to create non-negotiables that every day I'd spend seven days a week, a minimum amount of time with my family every day all four kids, my wife, my mom, and even put a minimum of 10 minutes a day to keep in touch with other people that were relative with, to me. Old friends, family, associates that I hadn't talked to. I just have a list and I'd go down at a minimum of 10 minutes a day. And my wife said, hold on a second. Your priorities are out of whack. I said, what are you talking about? I am committed to you and our family. That's my priority. She said, if that's so, then you need to have a number one non-negotiable yourself. You need to understand that if you don't take care of yourself, you're not going to take care of everyone else. And so I created a non-negotiable, a minimum of an hour a day on my health, because I realized if I was healthy, not only could I have as many wishes as I want during the day, but I could provide them as well. And if I was unhealthy, I would be relegated to one wish every day. And I've seen multi-billionaires who lose all the wishes and the capability of granting wishes because they're not healthy. So mm -hmm. I did that. And then I put my family minimum of 30 minutes a day, every day with my wife, minimum of 30 minutes with my son, minimum of two minutes with my daughters who are 24, 22 and 19. Now, even two minutes a day is worth more than two hours on a Saturday. I asked for five. They gave me two. People get upset on the internet. Only two minutes. I'm like, minimum. I try to get more. But you try having a 22, 24, 19-year-old right? daughters. And then a minimum of one minute with my mom to remind her every day what she wants out of me, which is I call her every day and let her know, mom, I'm healthy. I'm happy. I love you. And I appreciate you. Then a minimum of 10 minutes with my friends that I haven't talked to in family, et cetera. Uh, and then I study time for a minimum of 10 minutes a day. That's where it all started for me. Started with the non-negotiables. And then by studying time, a whole bunch of other efficient, effective, and statistical successes occurred by understanding the activity I got planned, I didn't have planned in my sleep. But I love that it's so complex yet so simple it's not about what you do in that time necessarily right it's not about the the extravagance or where you're at or the emotion it's just just time yeah it's that simple it changed you know it's so funny with the kids it changed my desire that i had to go pick them up from a practice or school to i get to mm -hmm. this is a very important shift as being a parent and a father to get to go pick your kids up because you get to spend 30 minutes of time, one-on-one, -on -one, instead of, I have to go pick them up. I love it. We talked around it a little bit. Your commitment going forward, I absolutely love. One billion people. Over, don't limit me. Forgive me. Yeah. Over a billion people. Talk to me about that just a, just, just a couple of seconds and the avenues that you're doing that, because I think there's a lot of people that could join you in that effort, and that's obviously part of your mission. In the idea that I didn't want to limit myself, that I never could overachieve my own self-image, what became very relevant in my life was I had the ability to teach three things to people. How to live in abundance, to make a lot of money, how to help a lot of people with that abundance, and how to have a lot of fun, how to be happy. And so I wanted to create a collective consciousness to change the world of people who knew how to make money, help people, and have fun. But I was challenged by how would I, in my lifetime, get to over a, a billion people? And it was really simple. That's why I'm here, JC. 
because I find a thousand people like you who I'm very confident who watch the podcast or the TV shows or the videos or interview me, read my books, which is why I give them out for free to everyone, right? All your community. I will sign a book. I will ship it. I'll pay for shipping and the book because I'm on a mission and I'm committed to my mission, not only with my time, but with my money to make sure that I help a thousand people like you in my lifetime that will empower a thousand to empower a thousand to make money, help people and have fun. A thousand times a thousand is a million, a million times a thousand is a billion. And so that's why I spend so much time, money and attention and intention to create the coincidences I want in my life, the coinciding of that in my life. I love it. I love it. And I recommend anyone listening. Uh, David's very active on Instagram. I mean, all over the place. Uh, but I love watching. I tune into your lives quite often on Instagram. And what's the email address if we want to email you for the book? Yeah, David at dmeltzer.com. First name, David. First initial, D. Last name, Meltzer. David at dmeltzer.com. If you forget the email, just Google me. You'll find how to get in touch with me. I'm everywhere at David Meltzer, but David at dmeltzer.com. Thank you so, so much. David, you're amazing. It's such a pleasure, man. And I uh, wish you all the best with your family over the next uh, many years. Enjoy the beach, my friend. We'll look forward to doing more content together about being committed to the trajectory of where you want to be or better. May everyone make a lot of money, help a lot of people and have a lot of fun. Be kind to your future self. Do good deeds. It's that easy.